Hello, and welcome back to my Love Letter Time Machine, where we are unfolding the Victorian love story contained in the letters of two ordinary people from Yorkshire, Fred Shepherd and Janie Warburton. I'm Ingrid Bertel-Hughes, and I just happen to be their great-great-granddaughter. Each week, we travel 140 years back in time to discover the latest happenings. And today, we get to hear about Fred Johnson's teaching adventures and what's behind Janie and her friends trying out the Victorian fad of human magnetism. In the late January of 1882, during Fred and Janie's back and forth about their local news, our Fred receives a letter from Fred Johnson, who has recently taken up his new position as schoolmaster for St James's School in Pulborough, in the middle of the Sussex countryside, which was approximately 10 miles north of the popular seaside resort of Brighton. That's more than 200 miles away from Sheffield, and nearly 300 miles away from our Fred. Johnson's sentences seem to get ever more choppy and truncated. I wonder if he spoke in a similar fashion I'm imagining him putting on a few airs and trying to smooth out his Sheffield accent with a bit of received pronunciation. The local vicar seems to have recruited Johnson as a lay reader and it sounds like his love life might be picking up too. St James's School, Waltham, Pulborough, Sussex. January the 21st, 1882. Dear Fred, I'm at last settled in life and in a most outlandish spot, without a doubt. Though the place is very small, tis extremely pretty, so mild that I've been able to send roses, snowdrops and daffodils away already, only ten miles direct from the sea. Confound my housekeeper, she'd jaw two horses' legs off. Can't go on writing for her. My first impressions of the place were far from favourable, but I came when it was really dark. The vicar is a gentleman of the old school. He is quite taken up with his church and parish, has put stained windows in all but one window in the church, have a surpliced choir and cassocks, very good choir for so small a place. Your humble servant sings first half of each chant to lead in the psalms, etc. Read first lesson. In fact, vicar is a god and your humble servant is quite next to demigod. I've been to dinner six or seven times at the vicarage, so my evenings have passed without much exertion on my part. Last Sunday night, a big pot in the place came to see me, Mr. Browsend, a gentleman farmer, a Londoner. Fancy he is a regular boozer. Today I have been to a very large town, five miles from here. Ye town of Petworth has three to four thousand people in it, possesses a large church, marketplace and some dozen shops. Also a station about one and a half miles away. Fancy me teaching in such a busy place. My breath clean, taken away with surprise, although the din made by the traffic, etc, etc. At this rate of going on, I shall return home a regular bloated country yokel. The school is small, but finds me quite sufficient work to do. House and school are attached. I can soon pop in school. In front here is a grass plot, far corner ornamented by wild flowers, other part, grass closely cut and relieved by three flower beds. Round corner in front of school is ye vegetable garden where I am anxiously hoping to display my skill. This provides us all with vegetables. Us consists of housekeeper and myself. 
She is none of your fair, fat and five foot two thirds, but rather tall, bony, masculine, near-sighted, wears specs, talkative, busybody, does her utmost to please Mr Johnson, can easily pass an hour by simply saying yes, this acts as a key to wind her up. You will be surprised to hear that I have written four letters and had three answers to Miss Barton, who lives opposite our house. I have exchanged photos. Once more on the way to land, you see. Wish you had been to tea, which Jane will have told you about. I had the honour and pleasure of acting as escort to Darnell. Did not reach there until about 11.30. We broke up about one o'clock, quite a jolly affair, enjoyed myself immensely, sang my first song in public, asked Jamie about it. It was simply grand. Your old chum, Fred. I wonder if Johnson's mention of that notorious tea dance set off any old annoyance from Fred about it, or perhaps hearing it put in such harmless terms offers reassurance. Our Fred seems fine about Janie socialising in his next letter. 21 Church Street, Middlesbrough, Sunday, January the 22nd, 1882. My darling wife, I am very pleased that my letter did you good, love. Yours always do me good. I'm afraid that this will not do you so much good as it will be not so long. I expected yours would be rather longer this morning and was rather disappointed accordingly, so you must give me a longer one next time. I am glad you remembered me to your William. I shall write to him when I have time. I wish, like you, darling, we could have had our old Saturday nights. I have been thinking tonight that if I could only come home for the weekend I should be content, though we should not have thought so one time, should we, love? Your purchases, love, are getting quite extensive. I feel quite ashamed that mine have not been greater. I suppose mine has to begin, and perhaps will be rather extensive. I am sorry to hear that Mr Cooper has lost money. Perhaps Miss Cooper will not be quite so aristocratic in her stare as she was before. That reminded me, has she got married yet to Mr Ball? Or, if not, when does the marriage come off? Is the house finished yet? If you go to the sale, or if your mother bids for you, I can send you £10, but not any more at present. So you can go to that amount. If you like us, feel sure the money will be well laid out. Of course, you will remember that carriage will have to be paid on them to here, but I suppose that won't be much. I wish it was not so long to Easter, love. I feel as though I should like to come over before then, just to see you. I should like to have a kiss, my darling. I am yearning for one. I hope the German will not get smitten with you, or I shall have to come over and punch his head. Didn't you dance the other night? I feel very much better, love, now than I did, and my eyes are very much better. If they get bad again, I shall try your remedy. I hope your cold will soon be better. Have you tried anything for it, love? I do not want you to be seriously ill, my darling, or shall be under the painful necessity of coming over to see you and kissing you better, which is an unfailing remedy for that kind of thing. Monday, January the 23rd, 1882 I was so pleased to get your letter this morning, my darling. It was very thoughtful of you to let me have another so soon. I wish I could thank you in the way that is most pleasurable to both of us. Wait until I come over and then won't I kiss you. Just a few, though. I was very sleepy last night, as you will have found out. We had a sacred concert at home last night. Harmonium, cornet and violin. It was great. I am pleased that you like to be at our house, love. How should you like to be at my house, my darling? Always? I am sorry to hear that Morris is not going back, as I think it would be better for him. How was the news received at your house? 
I am so sorry that you should have to endure the torture of the singing, but bear it a little while longer, my darling, and then no more torture. I think Emma is very foolish for getting drink when you are expecting visitors. She might think of you a little. Does Polly know of her proclivity that way? We should not feel lonely, love, if we were together, but it is being apart that is so hard. Whatever induced your Emma to ask Polly such a question? Does she look in the family way or what? Do you mean that your Emma kept away from Rose or that Polly kept away from your house? The weather here is splendid. I never remember anything like it in Sheffield. Overcoats are quite superfluous. I played at football yesterday with Redcar, second team, but we lost. I got the only goal that was on our side. The first team played at Whitby and I could not get off. Train went at 11 and we were awfully busy yesterday. I should have liked to have gone to Whitby, as I so want to see the place, but it must not be. The Salvation Army were here at St Paul's this morning and behaved themselves very well. Of course, they did not play any of their musical question mark instruments in the church. It has been quite hot today and the park here looks splendid. There was just sufficient wind to ripple the lake. Trees here are very forward, coming into bud so early. I think I will leave the next page for tomorrow. If there is anything you cannot make out, you must let me know. Continued January the 23rd, 1882. I should like to have been with you, love, at your Williams yesterday. You will miss little Willie very much, I suppose, notwithstanding his mischief. Of course, the baby will be a famous talker by this. He is just about the age when you like them best, isn't he? Were you able to call at our house, dear, last night? Tell me all about them. They say very little in their letters. I wish I could go to your church with you, my love. It would be splendid. With you, anywhere. With respect to my inquiry about the dancing in the other part of my letter, you didn't say whether you danced or not, that is all. I hope you will be enjoying yourself, love, at Mrs. Allen's. I wish I could be there to help you with the charades, don't you? I reckon you and I can play charades. We have received an application this morning from Kelsey, who wants to come here to work. It seems like a magnet, this place. We have said that our staff is sufficient for present requirements. It seems Mr. Riley, one of the directors, is interested in some young fellow at London. I expect we shall have to have him. That's the worst of directors. They're always wanting somebody in. Of course, I shall be boss. I intend giving you more today, but we are so confoundedly busy that I cannot get any in. I will write you longer in my next. Believe me, my darling love, to remain always your loving and faithful husband, Fred. I had a message from a listener after last week's podcast who wondered if the reason that Fred had been so poorly and the fact that both he and Alvy were so forgetful was anything to do with the gas lamps and a possible case of carbon monoxide poisoning. I looked up the symptoms and the headaches and disorientation do sound suspicious. Gaslighting has been found to be an emitter of carbon monoxide and it's a reminder that so many things in Fred and Janie's environments were potentially lethal. It's highly likely there was arsenic in the wallpaper as well. If it was carbon monoxide, Fred and Alvy were extremely lucky that they woke up the next morning. Darnell, January the 24th, 1882 My darling husband, you'll be rather disappointed in the length of this letter. 
I am at the Wellington in Darnall today and they want me upstairs. Ginny, Polly Rowe, Mother and I all went to the sale yesterday. They did not sell anything that was worth having, so of course I did not purchase. Ginny stopped all night and our Emma and I promised to come here today. I have been busy ironing most of the day. Father, Mother and our John have been at old Mrs Laverack's sale all day. Ginny and I went down for a few minutes. We saw some very nice old china sold. I did not buy it though. I only wanted some carpet, but they were so very dear. Don't you purchase many things, love, but save up your money, and then we shall see what we want at the last. Miss Cooper is not married yet, but she is going to be in February. The house is not quite finished. My darling, I do wish it was Easter. I do so long to see you. I should like to pull your nose, love, for hoping the German will not get smitten with me. I got up to dance the corkscrew with Maria and Ginny with the German, but our Emma could not play anything to suit, so we could not dance. I am so glad you feel a deal better, love, and that your eyes are better. My cold is about better now. I had some treacle and saltpetre. I should not like to give you the trouble of coming over to kiss me better, though it would be very nice. I wish Mr Cooper had some business for you to come and do him in Sheffield. I am yearning for you, my darling. I don't know what induced our Emma to ask Polly Rowe that question. She does not look as if she is so. She would be half silly, I should think, our Emma, I mean. Polly kept away from our house on that account. I am sorry you lost the game of football, but glad you got the goal, as I like to hear you tell of winning. I am sorry you were disappointed in not going to Whitby. I should have liked to have heard your sacred concert, love. It would be great. I will write again tomorrow, so please forgive me for cutting this so short. I remain, my darling, your loving, faithful, true wife, Janie. And in the corner she's written, Janie's our love to you. In this next letter of Janie's, she mentions in her evening's activities trying out something called human magnetism with her friends. During that time, human and animal magnetism was often mentioned in the same breath as mesmerism and clairvoyance in some glorious mashup of a Victorian pseudoscience. Pictures of the time show the mesmerist, nearly always a man, holding up his hands, casting mysterious beams of energy towards the patient, nearly always a woman. The belief in living creatures containing a vital magnetic fluid, and that it could be influenced by practising some version of mesmerism, had pretty much been debunked decades previously. However, it hung on, and still does actually, as an alternative medicine, and as a source of entertainment. It's really interesting to look at the newspapers of that year, as you have on the one hand so-called professors touring the theatres giving demonstrations entitled things like Experiments in Mesmerism and the Electrobiology, Light and Dark Seance, Project the Spirit World, Human Magnetism, World of Magic and Science. And then by contrast, also during 1881, there were a couple of gents making a tour of the various reading rooms and mutual improvement societies in the north of England apparently on a mission to reveal how the magic tricks were done. Here's a review of one of their Sheffield evenings from the Sheffield Independent. Eccles Hall Social Gathering There was a large attendance at Eccles Hall National Schoolroom Thursday evening last, on occasion of an entertainment kindly given by Mrs Ebenfeldt and Nelson in the aid of the school funds. Reverend Sanford briefly opened the proceedings. The first part of the programme 
was undertaken by Mr. Ebenfeld, who performed a number of tricks of magic, some of a remarkably clever character, particularly those with liquids. Mr. Nelson showed how some of the remarkable phenomena produced at spiritualistic seances could be accomplished by the conjurer, and he introduced some amusing and clever mesmeric feats. What is known as the aerial suspension trick was successfully performed, and the entertainment throughout was amusing and enjoyable. I very much doubt that Janie and her friends were into doing the aerial suspension trick, which was to put someone into a trance and hang their stiffly prone body by their feet and head between two chair backs. But I wish I could have been a fly on the wall and seen exactly what kind of experimentations they were trying out in between the teacups and playing cards. Hansworth, January the 25th, 1882. We went to your Walters last Monday. Your mother, Louisa, and I, they are all very well. Little Ginny is quite as lovely as ever. Mrs Hawley was there. We had tea upstairs and filled the rest of the time with some small talk and crocheting. I got a nice piece done. They wanted to know if it was for babies' pinafores. I did not know that, so I did not tell them. Mrs A. Thompson was there too. She is going to sail next month to America to her husband with two little children. She is a great friend of James. John and Louisa brought me up to our church. They would not go in. I got home about ten. We went down to Aunt Staniforth's to tea yesterday. Lizzie Hardcastle was there. She has come back from America. She does not like it at all. Lily Shirley and Emma Gill were there too, so we had a jolly night. We were trying human magnetism again and playing at cards. I have asked them to come up to our house tomorrow after tea. I could not very well ask the two and leave Lily Shirley out, but you know, love, I do not intend to make a friend of her. Our Emma got my keys whilst I was away on Monday and was looking in my drawers. Katie told me because she thought I might think it was her. I shall warn her some day. I don't know what she wants to find. Don't you think it was a nasty mean trick? I hid my keys where I thought no one would find them, but it seems she could. She's capable of doing anything. I do wish she would go. It would be a blessing, but there is no signs of it yet. I do wish you would come to Sheffield for something. I do want to see you. I do long for you, my darling. It would be a treat to see you. 150 kisses would be nothing this time. Only 10 weeks. I don't know how I shall let you go again. I do love you more than ever. Mother and father could not say anything to the news from the Herods. They keep thinking Mr Walker will take our Emma. He promised to take Morris and to send him to school. So I don't know how they will go on. I am very sorry that Morris cannot go back again. He is getting spoiled already. We have not heard any more since that letter from the Herods. Our Emma had it about a week before she answered it. Polly Rowe does know about her proclivity to drink. She was talking about her at Rose and it came out somehow that she did. Somebody told Polly in the village. So she asked our Fred if it was true. So of course he told her then it was. You may think it is rather humiliating for me love to hear about it. She got some yesterday before she went to Darnell and was as silly as ever she could be. The weather here is very nice. It is more like spring than winter. It is rather dull, though. I feel rather depressed. I don't think it is the weather that affects me. I feel as if I could not do much longer without seeing you, my darling. I do yearn for you so much. I shall have to give up writing soon or I shall be late at Mrs Allen's. I wish you could go with me, love. You and I could play charades. 
there is only going to be six of us, one gentleman, teacher, married, so I am afraid we shall not be very merry. Polly Rose stayed to tea last night after Mr Cooper's sale, so we played at cards again, and our John brought John Wilson and the German in the room. I did not play or sing. Our Emma and I tried to play together, but did not succeed very well, so I gave it up and let her play. It was by our John's invitation that they came in, not mine, so please don't be afraid of anybody getting smitten with me. You know, my darling, there is nobody in the whole world for me but you. I love you so much. I have lots of little jobs to do before I go, so you will excuse me writing just now, love. Do write for Saturday, and I will write for Sunday. I remain, as always, your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. Why does Janie keep referring to John's friend as the German rather than by his name? Was his name unpronounceable? This last clutch of letters is really starting to open up more of my understanding regarding Janie's social life. It seems very lively, what with all the card games, dancing and charades of an evening. She's coming across as gregarious and full of life. But then I'm looking at this as a person, post-lockdown, 140 years later, with the benefit of Netflix and the internet, and no true understanding of how one amuses oneself without those things night after night. Sweeping aside the laptops and iPads so that we can have a bit of a sing or a dance after tea seems unimaginable without serious prior arrangement. I confess I'm a touch envious. Or perhaps I should clarify, if Janie was going to be there, I'm sure it would be a fun evening. I might not be so enamoured of the idea if Emma showed up, three sheets to the wind and trying to take over the piano playing. We'll leave it there for now. Thank you for listening to my love letter time machine. Next time, Janie confides in Fred about her tribulations with Emma, and Fred has a racy discussion with Janie about the possible health benefits of a conjugal visit. In the meantime, Perhaps you could show the podcast some support by clicking on the ratings, leaving a review, or sharing it with someone you think might enjoy it. And if you'd like to write to me, you can at myloveletter-time-machine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.